listeners, it's Liz here from the editing booth that is still not an editing booth, but my living room. This is part two of our episode where we talk about zombie-themed audio drama We're Alive. If you haven't listened to the first part, we highly recommend you do go back and listen to it first. Part one covers the zombies around fandom news, the plot and premise of We're Alive, and the discussion on the main characters. So it will help to listen to it first. And now please enjoy part two of Podcast Detected is Alive. Uh, I wish I could say that, just like the guy in We're Alive. He's so cool and so dramatic. Previously on Podcast Detected with Devin and Liz. Yeah, we're doing a kind of different topic today. I'm really excited about it. We will be super critical. But oddly enough, the one thing that they're so different on, in my opinion at least, I don't know if you agree with me, Liz, is the zombie. We're used to things happening in a certain way and then it kind of... If it doesn't, that draws our attention. Jesus Christ! <laughs> and for people who grew up or have encountered zombie movies, they are so bad at dealing with zombies. The first chapter actually is kind of slow, surprisingly, for the fact that it's about a zombie apocalypse. And there is so much exposition, then the pacing becomes really, really good. It's a well-paced story. And literally, the reason though it didn't grab me is because I really do not like the first three main characters that we follow for the first chunk of it. Okay, let's talk about Michael first. You start, it's one of those characters where you start to get endearing to him only at like the end of the first season. It takes a while. The first thing we learn about him is that he's like super tough. And then there's a dramatic pause where he like, you can like see him looking into the sunset. He's like, I used to not fear death. Not anymore. I'm like, I can't, Michael. And it's like this use of the journal format is so interesting because it does allow us to like switch from Michael's point of view to access other journals. Yeah, and that's just actually when the story gets good. So if you start hearing other narrators, then you've basically made it past the very difficult beginning. The next one is Angel, who's actually my favorite, my trash favorite. Like, he's, he's, he's trash. Like, he really is. And then in the end of the first season, they really, they, they team him up with Riley a lot, and they're like a super great combo. She's the one that's completely discounted the first half of the season as being totally useless because she can't shoot a gun. But the second they find a bow and arrow, she's like killing zombies like literally by the dozen. She just becomes amazing. The writers want us to believe that, oh, maybe they will become a couple, and it's very clear from the very beginning of season one that Riley is into women. They're all idiots. We mentioned them. Yeah, let's talk about Saul. I love him. I love him so much. Minus the militarized part of it, Saul is basically me in a zombie apocalypse. And by that, I mean I'm going to risk everyone's ass to go save my dog. I think they wanted to go for some kind of Will Smith's Fresh Prince type of character who, you know, hits on ladies and is charming at the same time, but he comes off really creepy. Yeah, no part of him is charming in those first few episodes. I do kind of get annoyed that's one of those, like, you know... The woman saves him from his terrible plot characteristics. I would instantly trade these three military guys for like either Sarah Smith or Janine Oh, in a heartbeat. Sarah Smith takes the best qualities of all of the military men and just rolls them up into her own character. Like that's real. All the while, as a listener, you're probably if you were me, you were like, you put the you took the code down, right? They didn't. They just didn't. And then they 
all get super drunk. All of them. This happens hours after they realize every single round of ammo has been stolen and all their food is gone. So someone just robbed them and they're like, we're gonna get drunk. And there's like one scene like in season two when they meet Victor, who's one of the, basically he's like a runner for the colony. And then there's Datu, who's the um, Indonesian maintenance man. I don't know much about organized crime. Jesus Christ. Pay attention to your surroundings. <laughs> so as exhibited, Liz is absolute trash. And now part two of Podcast Detected is Alive. I want to uh, talk about something that is very important in Zombies Run, and that's like diversity of cast. Oh, thank God you said it. <laughs> so first, I want to talk about racial diversity. Uh-huh. And I am aware that I'm a white girl from a white city in a white country, so uh, I might be wrong, but um, when I was in LA, LA was not very white some parts of la are very white if you're in the military in la you're not <laughs> for the most part for my experience also as a white american but someone who's most a lot of their family is in la and i know a lot of military people the mil- military in certain parts of the country tend to be more diverse though not less racist you know which is a problem of the military here and of the police force here as i think everyone in the world knows now D- diverse doesn't mean not racist but yeah yeah i mean it's an audio podcast so we don't get good descriptions of all the characters but here's the thing even for an audio podcast i think almost the point is is you can self-insert a lot of what you perceive race and gender and ethnicity and sexuality to be for because especially a lot of the more visual characteristics of people but for some reason there's so much like i get a lot of visual description why you would do that but like none none of it's diverse and here's the thing, it, the problem is, if you do not specifically say what a character looks like, most people, and I am not an exception here, will imagine those characters as white, because that's what our media tells us. And actually, the only three characters where we know that they're white in canon are Angel and um, Lizzie and Pegs. Everybody else could be whatever but of course they are white and if you look at the we're life wiki they have some art of the characters and they're all white except for like we have datu who is in canon said to be indonesian i think it's east asian but east I, asian? i'm pretty sure he says he's from indonesia yeah I then really we have saul saul who's black yeah or african-american uh then we have, uh, in season two, Tanya, who is uh, from the colony, and Victor, who is uh, Latino, and CJ, in season three, who is Asian. Yeah. And that's it. So all the other characters are either in canon white or supposed to be white very assumed white because they do like all yeah. of their podcast chapters have like chapter art that goes with it normally it's like a picture of like zombies you know but a lot of the times especially during the finale whoever's narrating their fit or like what is perceived to be them is on the cover of their um podcast 
So it's a lot of white people. Which, like, maybe it's from where I'm coming from, which is, like, United States, specifically East Coast United States, but I've never heard of a white guy named Angel. I was shocked when he was white. I'm like, I thought this was an attempt at diversity. It's not. Uh, what is his name? Angel Tenudo. It, this is the whole thing, and this will be explained in season three a bit more when we learn a bit more about his backstory, but Angel being tall and blonde makes no sense. Zero like, sense. No whatsoever. Not, not a single piece. This is like, this makes no sense in the story for him to be tall and blonde. Like, really no sense whatsoever. And it's like unfortunate that like a lot of like our perceptions of it need to like be leaning on like name stereotypes or like character tropes of like where they are in LA. But also like the thing is for podcasts, a lot of like things like I don't know. A lot of, like, you can imply diversity by, like, setting it in certain places or stuff like that, you know? So if you're going to set it in, like, Kansas or something, I'm going to assume a lot of those characters are probably going to be white unless, you know, the char- the writers are, you know, good people and try to make things more diverse. But if you're setting it in L.A., oh, that sounds fake to me. I don't know, like, half of those people should be Latinos, right? There were or so Asian. many Latinos in L.A. <laughs> or Asians. Yes. I don't. I don't know, like... Maybe I was just in the most diverse parts of LA. It just, I feel like there's certain cities in the US, for those who don't know, that are like seen as much more um, diverse, like, you know, cities like New York, cities like LA, that have a, they have a very severe like class divide and there's all these problems with stuff like that. But the point is, is these are known diverse cities in the US. Yes, and speaking of diversity and LA, how are there not more not straight characters thank you. in this story. Oh, thank God. I didn't need to be the one to say it. I'm always the raging queer girl on this podcast, but I'm so upset by that. Members of the LGBT community. So you, this is the representation you get. You get Riley, who is never explicitly said to be a lesbian. It's implied. Also, of course she has a crush on a straight girl. Oh, okay. I'm unentertained. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's implied. And then like in season three or four, somebody tells her. But it's like, it's it's... Some characters kind of have an idea that she is, but it's they never use the word I am a lesbian or they she never says I like women. It just it's such like a taking the agency away and it's so upsetting. And then there is another character who is they they don't use the word gay, but they say that he's interested in men. He's the gatekeeper from the colony and he is also like a super creepy sexual predator. <gasps> That's your representation, guys. I'm very sorry. Uh, it's one of those things when, like, I'm so spoiled by podcasts like Welcome to Night Vale and apps like Zombies Run, where, like, I start to assume that because of the medium of the podcast that you can kind of not get away with so much more, but you can include so much more. Because it's not a big studio TV show, yeah. I, like, forgot heterosexual things were supposed to happen. And, like, the more I, like, went on into the season, I'm like, wait a minute, I don't care about any of these heterosexuals. Why are you romancing in the middle of a, in the middle of like a battlefield right now? I hate this. I mean, you could you could have canon a lot of these characters as bisexual, I guess, but like most other characters, at least once, show interest in somebody from the other sex. And, and this is L.A. Again, this is L.A. This is not the Vatican or 
Once again, this is, if it's set in the United States, it's not set in the middle of it. You know, it's set in a place which is... LA and San Francisco do have, like, a, a, a big gay community, right? Yes, extremely large. The largest yeah. in the country. Stereotyped as. Yeah. And so we come to the last part in diversity, and that's women. Why are there no women in the fucking military? There are no women in the military. Well, there's one girl in season three uh, in the military, and she kind of dies. A single one. And do you know how many military characters we have for this flip-flopping podcast? So many! I have the feeling... uh, We Were Life was written by a guy, and Zombies Friend was written by a woman, and that kind of shows. (laughs) And he really... Casey Whalen is his name, and he really tried... He added he a did. lot of he added a lot of different and interesting female characters, and I really have to say, many of those female characters are great. And it's just you have very clearly this like twenty percent female characters thing, and the most of them are useless, straight up. They are underutilized. I think. Casey Whalen had the best of intentions and he wrote some really, really interesting female characters. But there were just situations where it was like, oh, you just introduced this really cool, interesting character, but why is this not a woman? This could have been a woman and it would not have changed anything, but it's not. Uh... He, he, he tries very hard. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that Casey Whalen didn't try hard. He tried hard and he gave us much more interesting female characters than, for example, The Walking Dead. Yes, so you did. I think if I was not such a big fan of Zombies Run and so used to writing like we get in Zombies Run, I would not have minded. Is that a word? Yes. Mind. This would not have bothered me. But I am used to Zombies Run and I'm used to 50% and I'm used to being introduced to male and female new characters. And... This is just not it. And, and so I, I, I think if you're not into Zombies Run, this will not bother you. As much, at least. It, yeah, it bothered me. It bothered me a lot. The, the ratio of male and female characters is much, much better than of white characters and people of color or of straight characters. And Something we should characters. shout out, though, is that this this type of podcast is like a precursor to a lot of the podcasts we think of now. And like, I don't know, the top ones that come to my head are things like, you know, Welcome to Nightmare. Nightmare? Wow, what the fuck am I saying? Welcome to Night Vale and like, you know, Serial, which is narrated by a woman and written by a woman and like a whole bunch of other podcasts. And like, this was like, you know, not, this was like came earlier, not that much earlier, but yeah. earlier enough that yeah. like, it's you can see that there was like a build of like what types of characters people include in podcasts. Um, I'm not saying Welcome Night Vale is amazing on women, but I'm saying that their women are tend to be more compelling and interesting. <laughs> um, well, but I think by Welcome to Night Vale, the thing is that the main narrator is a guy. So. Exactly. <laughs> you know, a, a gay guy who, of course, yeah. And just, it, I mean, this always bugs me, though, is the insertion of unnecessary heterosexual romances into most action movies, which is something I think Night Vale is actually, not Night Vale, what am I saying? Zombies Run is better at is that their romance is almost always sidelined 
It's things yeah. you hear, like, if someone's, like, dying, you hear their, like, supposed person who has a crush on them or who's their lover, like, freaking out. Or, like, you hear it on radio mode when Jack and Gene are gossiping about relationships. Like, it's very much not in the middle of, like, a strategic, like, rescue mission. I'm talking about the stadium again. I'm still mad about that scene. And it's irritating. But that, yeah, that's just me. Also, if you're going to make them all heterosexuals, why don't you have more women? Yeah, I don't know. There's even a scene where Riley talks about... <laughs> because I, I doubt that just stood out to me so much. So they're still in the apartment building, not in the military, but in the apartment building where there's just a bunch of people who came together. And then she says, oh, yeah, you know, like, Angel keeps trying to hit on her. And, and uh, like, it's it's a bit charming, but at the same time, she doesn't know if it's really charming because they're just, like... 13 women and there are like 50 people or 60 people in that building i'm like why why aren't there more women you could argue that when it comes to the military base that maybe it's not 50 50 percent because the military is not 50 50 percent i don't know what it's like in the u.s it's not 50 50 they're trying though congrats women we just got full combat like a week ago in the u.s Oh, great. Fun fact, now women can be on the front lines and in submarines and in other places. It's going to be hard, but, like, there you go. Now there's literally no excuse anymore, but keep going. No, but here's the thing. Like, it's not in a military base where it would be understandable that there are more guys than than girls. But this is just a bunch of people. Yeah. Like, why, why are there just, like, four women who we actually hear talking? Get voices, and, yeah. Like, 20 guys. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. It but again, I think Casey Whalen did a good job. And he, I don't think he, he set out to make a story. I think he set out to make a story with a very dark um, female and male cast. So I think he wanted to do a story where there are men and women equally represented. But just not what happened in the end it's one of those things where if you're not super conscious conscious about it and you're writing a stereo not like a stereotypical but like you know stereotypical in the way that's a zombie apocalypse story that tends towards actiony it is hard because you need to consciously kind of be aware of like the stereotypes that have happened in zombie apocalypse movies before this and zombie apocalypse media which is you know male dominated gun dominated military dominated which are tropes he uses to kind of establish this world which then he does actually invert ingeniously in the role of the zombie which we'll probably talk about in like next but you know in terms of diversity of cast it is hard not to fall into those tropes and you need to be conscious of it and he wasn't yeah but i I, again like you said this is this podcast the first seasons came out a few years ago and the best proof for that, and, and you have to remember that when when you talk about the writing, because a lot of these things, they have been, these problems have been there forever, but many people in the, the public mind only became aware of it recently. Like, hey, maybe you should include not just a token black guy or a token gay guy. Um, gay how, guy. I'm mad. <laughs> one of the big proofs how old this podcast is and this has made me laugh so much uh if you listen to a lot of podcasts like i do there are a lot of companies who advertise on podcasts and these are usually oh my god it's online so great. companies so like usually you have like squarespace or um those online uh, fantasy football thingies or 
uh, lynda.com like online companies where everybody can use them like a person listen to it here in austria or a person listen to it in america equally can use that service because a podcast is international and in in the first seasons of we're alive the advertisements are just like we are a company who provides aquariums all over la and we provided the hilton and this and this hotel with aquariums so visit us here at this address and the music in the background is like in these 80s <laughs> or there's like a woman who advertises her her acting um, classes acting classes and it's like i listened to that and i was like this is do you even know that a podcast will be listened to like everywhere just a small percentage of your listeners will be in LA and who buys a company size aquarium this was so yeah, bizarre yeah they were advertising these giant ass aquariums it was weird um just so you guys like have an understanding we're, we're talking about like it was made in the 80s the first it was debuted in 09 actually I did just look it up because that was bugging me that I thought it was 12 and I'm like it can't be 12 it has to be later than that so it's about six years ago now that's so weird to think about it was six years ago but yeah so the the, the adverts and I'm a person who if I hear an advert a lot then I would just start skipping it mm -hmm. and Skip I realized in the, in the later seasons they started advertising for Squarespace and and all these online companies who became aware of podcasting at this time and I started to skip these but I always listened to the super strange terrible LA based companies advertising you're really funny they're great so enjoy the advertisements they're, they're cool uh i i love them and i kind of show how old this is because this podcast was clearly made before podcasting really became a big thing yes <laughs> i just i just wanted to talk about the admins because <laughs> they're really oh, cool i do love them okay can we talk about the zombies because that's like some of the most interesting parts yes let's talk about the zombies. so like we've been doing a lot of not hating but critiquing consciously because you know it is a medium that is not perfected in any way, shape, or form. But yeah, I just I, I have to say I listened to all of the episodes of Real Life, and I mostly really, really loved it. So I'm bitching about stuff I like. Exactly, and it's one of those yeah. things where, like, for me, what literally not like the only, not the only, yeah, basically no, the only reason in the first season that I kept wanting to keep listening on is to figure out what was happening with the motherfucking zombies. The zombies are cool in this one. Oh, they're amazing. And here, the, the funny thing is, like, they always, in the first season, they want to call them zombies, and Michael hates it because he's like, no, they're not zombies. And so everybody's like, yeah, but what do we do if the zombies... Sorry, Michael. If the zombies come... <laughs> but they stop using that because they were actually... Well, they are zombies in the broader term of, like, infected people being zombies because they are infected, but... They're not your regular zombies. So basically, it kind of starts off with the zombies um, doing exactly what you think they're doing. They're starting a ride in LA. They're eating people slowly. It's pretty terrible. And that's kind of all we have for like the most half of the season is, you know, what you would think of when you think of a zombie. And so we've realized, you know, some of them are faster, so very zombies run, right? And some of them, you know, are kind of smarter, but that's kind of all we get until Michael, of course, 
notices that the bodies of the zombies have killed as they're moving in and out of the apartment building that were just left on the ground, they're disappearing. And there's no one's cleaned them up. There, no one wanted to touch them because they were afraid to get the zombie juices on them and get turned. And so this starts one of the most epic conquests of like zombie recon I've ever listened to in my life. Of uh, they want to know. They, they start noticing the zombies are the ones taking the zombie bodies, but they're also taking human bodies of people who weren't turned, of people who died in combat. And they're like, what's happening here? And it's so cool. And from that point on, we start seeing more and more types of zombies. Some of them can talk, talk. Some of them are huge, like the size of a practically, like, you know, a story tall. And like, there's just a, oh my God, there's a, they're like, we start going on to like zombie culture and that there's like, a, like a culture of these things that's the only way i can describe what we found out in the stadium episodes what do you think was yeah well it's it's kind of established that there are different types like there are the regular zombies and then there seem to be bigger and and um stronger zombies they call them behemoths which is why i know what the word behemoth means <laughs> they realize that the other zombies are afraid of those and they don't they don't they seem to be more animal like and then there is a mysterious guy in a suit that seems to have something to do with the zombies. And it's not really clear, like, does he control the zombies? Did he make the zombies? Where do the zombies come from? Because there is also an, an area in the city where suddenly they call it Ground Zero, where suddenly breathing gets difficult. So what does this have anything to do with the zombies? There's like a big, big mystery in why there are so many different types of zombies and where they come from. And this is one of the strongest parts of the oh, story, I absolutely. think. Because the way they, they reveal... This is what I said about the pacing of the story. They reveal enough information about these zombies that you kind of start realizing connections as the characters do and in the end they kind of figure it out which is a kind of an amazing it's an amazing conversation when they kind of realize how does it all fit together and why are these behemoths there and why do they take the bodies of the other zombies and what is going on in the arena because the arena is one of the most disturbing <laughs> storylines oh it's oh, it psychologically is so hard to listen to as it is for the characters experiencing it we keep referring back to the stadium because honestly it was the most impactful like three at three episodes of probably the or three chapters spanned like 12 episodes three chapters of like the entire first season it was like what i remember the most and that's saying something because the finale was like insane oh and talking about the stadium, we forgot one person of color. We forgot Kalani. Yes! Oh, thank you, and God. I okay, think, there's another one. I think it's never explicitly mentioned that he's Hawaiian. I, I don't know what the, the correct term Hawaiian, is for yeah. a person who is native from Hawaiian. From my experience, the right? from the yeah. people I know. I just, I, just, I just thought he might be because Kalani is not... Uh, it seems like... It's not an Anglo-sized name. I mean, it's not... A, yeah, so I just assume that he is, he comes from Hawaii and he's a pilot there. And so I thought, okay, maybe he's he's native Hawaiian. So here you go. You have one more person of color. Yay! He's super useless. <laughs> no, he's cool. Loki useless, but super cool. So, should we go to the last part of this podcast? This is, I stole that one from 
Wham Bam Pow, one of my favorite podcasts. So we will each name a favorite thing and a least favorite thing about the first two seasons of We Are Alive. And that could be a character, it could be a single plot line, anything. You want to start with your was the favorite or the least favorite? What do you think? Let's start with our least favorite so we can end on a high note. Okay, what's your least favorite thing about We Are Alive? Mm -hmm. Let's see. We already talked so much about the fact that queer or gay representation, LGBT representation is just abysmal. So that's definitely one of them, as well as like the leaning on a lot of um, like feminine and hyper-masculinized stereotypes bugs me. And I feel like Zombies Run usurps that so much. So... It bugged me. But yeah. Yeah, I think my least favorite thing is one... I mean, all of the things we talked about, but I think my least favorite thing is how much this podcast is about guns. Yeah. And I... Keep in mind, guys, I come from Austria. We don't have guns. I mean, some people do. Most of us don't. I never even saw a real gun. I know nothing about guns. I don't care about guns. And there is so much techno babble about guns and i'm pretty sure that's all accurate so i'm pretty sure if you guys love guns you will love this but for me most of it was just i have no idea what you guys are talking about and i so don't care just say big gun or small gun that's all i need to know yeah they did so much about guns i'm in shock you've never seen a gun before I'm such American sometimes. Um. Well, not up close. I have seen the police officers there with guns, but they have the guns in the holsters on their their hips. And I've never seen somebody draw a gun. I've never seen a gun. I've never even held one. So. My favorite thing about it is going to sound weird because we've talked about, like, like I said, I really do adore that the zombie lore and like the urging to find out more about and to create a different zombie theory was so brilliantly thought out and I really loved it. I feel like we didn't even talk about it enough because I could talk about that probably for a whole episode, but we're trying to do a whole podcast in one episode. So that's high on the list, but oddly enough, my favorite thing is the sound quality, the sound editing. It's the... The quality of this podcast is it amazing. It layers a lot. Because you're layering gunshots, crashes, fire sounds, zombies, building collapsing, people... And you need to still hear the dialogue throughout all of this. And it's layered so well. And entire episodes, like, the the background music was phenomenally picked for... Especially the second half of the first season going into the second season. Amazing. It kept my heart rate up. I was, like, there. Like, it really... The sound quality and the sound editing really drags you in and some parts are very quiet especially when it's just dialogue but like during all the high action scenes which is most of the second half of the first season Mm. oh god it was just uh it really sucked me in especially because in the finale you need to layer a lot of different qualities there because you know we have like running water we have the buildings on fire we have like enemies like throwing things and windows breaking all the while they're trying to like strategically plan out a very dialogue heavy scene it was really well done yeah i i agree I, I was it was difficult for me to pick a favorite thing because, like I said, I think the pacing is amazing once you get past the first few episodes. So I, I started listening to it and I didn't stop until I finished all of the seasons. So the pacing is good. I like the Riley Angel combo. I really do. But if I have to pick a favorite moment, 
it would be there is a scene where um as we mentioned there's always narration in between the actual scenes and there is a scene where michael uh sits down and starts writing into his journal and he starts explaining like and when I, while I was sitting there and writing down, I had a lot of different ideas. And in, in the background, you hear this narration music. The, and then suddenly he gets interrupted by somebody who knocks and wants something from him. And he quickly you know, answers that. And then he gets back into the narration music. And you realize that he's writing that at this exact moment and he goes back into the narration music and starts writing again and then he gets interrupted again and again and again and it's just i, I don't know i just really really no, love it's a this really scene. funny scene because it's, it's oh it is this cheesy no not cheesy but this very somber music and then it's 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 very people don't interrupt him with important things but with stupid Stupid. Yeah, like, oh, the water's <laughs> not hot. I'm just like, oh, God. Like, oh, what do you want for lunch? Or why don't you like us to call them zombies? Or <laughs> stuff like that. It's like, hilarious. It's, 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 and that's, I think that's my favorite scene because Michael, he's so annoyed. And everything that annoys Michael is kind of... <laughs> <laughs> we love. Okay, also, one yeah. more favorite part, because I just remembered this, is fucking when they go back to find the dog... The way he, uh, who was it, Saul, says, like, very offendedly, like, he's a, or no, like, she's a puggle. It was the best part of this entire season. Because everyone's like, you came back for a dog? He's like, excuse me, she's a puggle. And he's just like, he's this big, tough military man who's been, like, you know, basically swallowing bullets this whole time. It was one of my favorite lines. Because I love this puggle. Okay, so the big question is, would we recommend listening to We're Alive? Two mostly, I mean, people who listen to this either have listened to We're Alive or are Zombies Run fans who think about listening to We're Alive. So what would you say? I would say, oh, that's hard. Literally, because I find the zombie lore so interesting and like the world, what they're trying to build. I would say yes, but if you aren't digging it after the first season, don't move forward. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good recommendation. I started really liking it about halfway through the first season and then I became obsessed. I, I'm also super annoyed at it, so I will start nitpicking about everything. Oh, but I really, really enjoyed it. I just wanted to listen to the first two seasons again so I could talk about them, pod- t- talk about them here on the podcast. And I'm now close to the series finale. So I listen to all the seasons again because I, I don't know. I, I really, I really, despite everything I said here, I really like this podcast. I like the story. The beginning is very difficult. And the thing is, that get, it's not like predictable it. in the sense of like plot and like where it's going, but in the sense of things that bug you, like the things we talked about, they don't drastically change. So like, you know, there's not going to be an uptick in female military members in the second half of the series. And there's not going no. to be, like, oh, what else annoyed us? There's not going to be, like, suddenly, like, well-represented diversity and things like that. And Michael's not, Michael gets a little bit more endearing, but not much. So if those are the things that's, like, um, for me, on at times, became just like, oh my god, I don't even want to listen to this because I'm so bored with it. But 
Like, but if you are listening to it for, like, the action and the adventure and, like, the exposition and, like, all that, all, like, the fun bits, basically, then, like, definitely keep going. The plot is really good. It just, the plot, just the, the plot and the, oh, all the sounds, it just, it, it, it gets amazing. So, I, I think I, I would recommend, I would recommend trying it out while working yes. out, actually. So uh, download a few, maybe the first season, and then uh, try it out when you're on the treadmill. And I will actually, I think it will keep you going because your pulse will get very fast because it's a uh, very action heavy. Like we said, after after podcast. like they set up the apartment building and they start going out on missions, oh, it's never a dull moment. Yeah, exactly. So so get past the first half of the first season, and yeah, like I, I would I would agree if if by the end of the first season you do not. Because the first season ends with a cliffhanger. If you do not have the slightest interest in finding out how it ends, yeah, well, just just, just, just give it just up. Give it because up. Bugs then you, you will not, yeah, then you will not, you will not like it any you know, better. I would encourage people to give it the first season, though. Yeah, the first season. I mean, it's for free, guys. It's for free. It's for free. Really. If you're like, stumped <laughs> on what to listen to, it's more zombie media. And try out the first season and then tell us what you think of it. Yeah, Running Alchemist, for example, did that and sent us a message and said, I'm only on episode seven of We're Alive, so it's about where it starts getting interesting. So I can't say too much about it, but I will say that listening to it while pacing in a dark bedroom with all of the lights in the house off is not the best idea in the world, especially when it ends on a cliffhanger. Yeah, it's exactly what we said, that the sound quality and um, the production value is really, really high. I, yeah. You can see that there is a lot of money went into this podcast and into the acting it, as well. Very like. much. So there's a lot of really talented acting skill behind a lot of these characters. Um, of course, we're used to like Sam Yao's tearful moments, which is like, oh, what we know Sam Yao is the angel of all of our hearts. What's really interesting is I listen to all my podcasts because I work at a library. So if I'm like reshelving things and doing stuff like that, like that's when I'm listening to my podcast. And the library is so quiet. And this podcast is so intense. I like hyperventilate. At one point there was like a rapid machine gun. I dropped all the books I was carrying. It was like bad for my heart, but really fun. So yeah, they really do try to immerse you with the sound and the editing. The edit- Whoever edits this podcast, you get a gold star. Yeah. There's one more thing I want to say because you just mentioned Sam Yao. For me, I think what makes it very difficult to get into the podcast is that I don't have to find all the characters sympathetic when I meet them, you know, in the the story. Like, for example, Sarah Smith is not a very sympathetic character. She doesn't like Runner 5 in the beginning when you start out. So uh, she's a bit hostile and Janine is also not very nice to you. and, And so you have a lot of characters that are not sympathetic in the beginning, just like in We Were Alive. But Zombies Run has this one thing that they did really, really right. And that's the first character you really meet is like the, the biggest cinnamon roll of all of them. <laughs> he, yeah, Sam Yao is a brilliant entry point into the entire franchise that is Zombies Run. Mm-hmm. Yes. And We're Alive just doesn't have a good entry point character. I don't know about you, but for like We're Alive, my like entry point character, the character where I started actually caring about what was happening. I didn't care about any of the military guys, let's be real. Was definitely Riley because the second she comes in, she's like, "I'm a professional archer. Let me do my thing." And they're like, "No, don't." And then finally, she just does it without their without like the say so of anyone, and it becomes just. Oh, I just start caring about her so much more, and hence start caring about all the other characters so much more. <laughs> yeah, but she she really becomes important after a few after a few chapters, and 
in Zombies Run, you have this one character that even if all the other characters were terrible, there is Sam Yao and there's this one character that you really, really like in the beginning. And you can have a cast full of characters that are not really sympathetic in the first, at first look. That's, that's interesting. That's okay. I just think that you need at least one character that you c- care about. I agree. But, yeah. Oh, we did have a, a lot to say about it. I know. We've been doing this for like an hour and a half. Jesus. So, listeners, next episode will be Christmas themed. Woo! We don't know really what we're going to do with that episode. Honestly, we're gonna figure it out. we haven't really, we haven't really talked about it, but we will try to make it something Christmassy. So, if you have any ideas for how you think the characters celebrate Christmas or celebrate Ted Christmas before the zombie apocalypse, or celebrate Christmas now during the apocalypse, then uh, let us know. Then yeah. Also, let us know if you have listened to We're Alive and if you have liked it or disliked it. Let us know. And now it's time for me to go to bed. Yay! Oh, God. Oh, yeah, you need to sleep. Jesus. Okay, no, we're done with this. So stay safe out there, guys. (laughs) Oh, stay safe out there, runners. Podcast Detected is a non-profit project brought to you by way too many people in a com shack. Zombies Run belongs to Six to Start. Music is Rich Groove by Jason Kessler. Questions? Want to submit a story or need more information? You'll find us on Tumblr or Twitter at Podcast Detected or email us at waytoomanypeopleinacomshack at gmail.com No runners were harmed during the making of this episode. <laughs> <laughs>